Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Ox. We missed last week. I was at a bachelor party. Shit got wild. I did not make time to record the episode in anticipation for the bachelor party. And you know what? I have another bachelor party this weekend in Lake Placid. But I am recording this episode right before I walk out the door. Literally the last thing I'm going to do before walking out the door for this weekend, for this weekend of debauchery, is record this episode, drag the file in, drop it for you guys, and then for two days straight, I am ripping shots of whiskey, smoking cigs, imbibing other pharmaceuticals, and enhancing my consciousness to get into the proper state necessary for the party of bachelors. So, let's get into it this week before... My brain fog <laughs> before before I enter a state that will no longer allow me to speak in the manner of which I'm speaking right now. Let's dive right into it. So, Andrew Tate, Andrew motherfucking Tate was banned from social media. And if you don't know who Andrew Tate is, this is the best way I can describe him. He is a former world champion kickboxer. I've seen this dude knock some guys fucking lights out multiple times. He's a, he's a, he's a legit fighter, world champion kickboxer. And within the past six, six months, three to six months, he has absolutely taken the internet by storm. He has his own platform called Tate Speech where he goes on rants about dating women says a lot of controversial things you know I don't have any I don't want to misquote him because I don't have a lot of you know Andrew Tate quotes filed in my head right now but he says things that piss a lot of feminists off he piss a lot of people off in general uh he's been on podcasts like Fresh and Fit he's he was just on the Full Send podcast he was on your mom's house podcast with Tom Segura and Christina P, which was fucking hilarious. That's when I realized I liked Andrew Tate. And that's also when I realized that this thing he's doing, a lot of it is an act. You know, maybe 20 to 30% of it is him. But a lot of this is is like anyone creates to get a reaction, to be funny. You know you're going to say shit. That is going to make people tune in whether they love you or they hate you. And that is what he was doing so well on your mom's house. And I loved the way that Tom Segura and Christina P, uh, two comedians, approached that interview because their goal is to make people laugh. It's to be funny. So they weren't – they realized that what Tate's doing is what Tate does and they weren't necessarily challenging his ideas when they'd say a quote. When Tate would say a quote, Tom wouldn't go, whoa, 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 let's go back to the feminist revisionist history and actually what you're saying is not grounded in truth. No, they're they're playing along with it. They're saying like, yeah, yeah, you know, how do we make this funny? How do we make this a thing? And so if you're going to engage with Tate, the best way to do it for me is to realize that this is a character. The Andrew Tate you're seeing online is a character and that is news to nobody, but that helps you understand him better so let's recap a world champion kickboxer controversial social media you know kind of like this masculine energy get rich quick bravado making a lot of promises saying you can escape the matrix that's his big sell is that if you follow me if you join his platform uh, whatever it is uh, i'm forgetting the name of it fuck hustlers university literally it's called hustlers university if you join his platform, you escape the matrix, you get rich, and you can live wherever you want and just do whatever you want. That is his pitch, which is, I will say, is different because a lot of these get-rich-quick gurus don't actually have success in what they're doing before. You know, a lot of them claim to be real estate moguls or super successful entrepreneurs of some sort when in reality they haven't done shit the thing that they were trying to become successful at didn't work so they sell people a pipe dream and they stack cash Andrew Tate is the rarity 
because he is a world champion kickboxer. I believe three or four time world champion. You can go look that up. You can watch videos. You can't fake that. So he's reached the epitome of success for the industry that he chose. And then he's kind of pivoted. He's gotten to, into reality TV, uh, social media. So he's he's blown up. So he's not someone who was a failure and then decided to trick people into buying this two-week course that's going to make you a million dollars in four hours, whatever it is. He may be tricking people, uh, but it's not because he's never been successful. So let's get into the article. Controversial influencer Andrew Tate banned from Facebook and Instagram. This is from Sky News. Oh, that was a hot sip. I just had to spit that out right there. My tongue is burned. Oh, my God. The decision has been hailed by a number of campaign groups which claim Mr. Tate, quote, poses a genuine threat to young people. Controversial influencer Andrew Tate has been banned from Facebook and Instagram for violating its policies around dangerous individuals, their parent company Meta has said. Mr. Tate's official accounts have been removed from the social media platforms and he will not be allowed to create new ones, Meta said. And again, Meta controls Facebook and Instagram. The kickboxer rose to fame in 2016 after appearing on the reality TV show Big Brother and being removed from the program after a video surfaced online which appeared to show him attacking a woman with the belt. He claimed the clip has been edited. So I actually saw this clip resurfaced online and I saw the full clip or supposedly what was the full clip. And if you watch this thing, it's obvious that the girl is into it. She's playing along with Tate. She's, you know, she's getting spanked. She's she's getting hit with a belt a little bit. He's in no way rearing back and unleashing the full force of his kickboxing karate strength, whatever you want to call it, on this girl's butt cheeks. He's fucking, you know, like he's brushing a rose across her thigh, just has the belt out, just trying to do some role play shit. And then the girl says something like, hit me harder, you little bitch. Or something. Like she's she's telling she's like, that's all you got. Like you're, you're you hit me like a man, something like that. So it was a video that was filmed where anyone with, you know, any sort of sexual awareness whatsoever can realize, oh, this is a role play joke thing, whatever it is, whatever you think about it. It's not Tate beating a woman with a belt. And I'm not trying to defend the guy. I'm I'm just saying like that's what it was. I know I didn't really know who Andrew Tate was when I saw that video. I was just trying to find out more about him. And this that was one of the videos that popped up. So claims the clip has been edited. Uh, since then, he has gained further notoriety online for his outrageous and offensive comments, including some in which he suggested women quote bear some responsibility for being assaulted unquote not a smart thing to say not a great thing to say right there um yeah i mean i don't need to say why that's not smart you know if you're someone online and you're blaming victims for being assaulted no matter if it's a man or a woman that's not going to go over well uh and this is not a defense of him he says things to get a rise out of people. He says things that are going to get reactions. His whole thing is I'm going to get on the camera and I'm going to say shit about women, say th- whether you agree with it or not. And and if I had to guess, a lot of his audience would be frustrated, sexually inactive young boys, like the 12 to 16 age range where you're in that, you know, high school state of frustration where you're at the horniest point in your life. You're jerking off 18 times a day and you can't get pussy. No girl wants to fuck you. Everyone's figuring out how it works to be a sexual being. No one has any idea. There are hormones shooting through your veins. You, you're you walking around with a, a boner constantly tucking it in. You're afraid to even stand up in class because you think your boner is going to fucking flop down on your desk. Um, you know, God bless you if it actually can. Mine is not big enough to reach. But 
he, I imagine a lot of his audience is kind of these, you know, frustrated young men, frustrated boys. And when you are sexually frustrated, and I can attest to this, you may start to blame women for your problems. You may start to get into the mind state that I'm not getting laid because women are the problem. And I thought like that for a little bit, you know, and then quickly I realized that if you dress better, you learn how to speak, you learn how to navigate the social dynamic by just throwing yourself in there, making mistakes, embarrassing yourself, doing things that are cringy. Eventually, you learn how to form fulfilling sexual and emotional relationships with women. But there are a lot of guys that gets stuck in that teenage mindset of I should be able to fuck whoever I want. And if I'm not, I blame women. Women are the problem. And if you fit into that mindset, that is why the Tate stuff can be such a catalyst for young men. I think he should still be allowed on social media. I don't think he should have been banned. He wasn't, you know, physically threatening people. He wasn't breaking the the constitutional rights of you know america even though facebook doesn't follow the constitutional rights necessarily they're a private company but that's why that's why it can be a problem because you have tate who's you know he's he's punching up his shit he's making it more controversial on purpose because he's sold on the views he's sold he's sold on i'm gonna say shit that I, that some of it i may agree with i imagine a lot of it he knows that it's just going to get a rise out of people. It's going to get a reaction. And then you have these young guys on the other side that are taking it as gospel. So you have this mismatch of this dude who's playing a character and these boys who feel like it's Tate Jesus coming down with the Ten Commandments and bestowing it upon them. And this is the real way to live because you're not an adult yet. You don't fucking know what it's like to be in a real world. You don't know what it's like to date a woman who is great and professional and she's a fully formed human being and she's not just someone who's there to ride your cock and make food and and fucking you know sit in the passenger seat of your ferrari like she's a fully formed human being even though all those things are fun like those those it's 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 part of a relationship with anyone for sure being um you know cooking driving fucking sucking cock eating pussy you know that's it's part of it being of service being of service physically sexually emotionally not saying those things aren't part of it but when you have someone like tate who's emphasizing the you know like fuck a bitch call the uber mentality like get she i'm done with her uh you know fucking filled that pussy up now now she's out the door or if when a girl's around i don't want her to speak uh, you know, she's only good for doing these stereotypical women roles. Uh, you know, that that pisses a lot of people off, you know, triggers a lot of people. And for guys that believe that they should be in control of women and that women are born to per born to uh be of service to them exclusively that women aren't autonomous they don't serve their own goals they they don't you know women don't lead women don't uh form their own opinions women don't like all of the shit that any human being does when you have a guy that is frustrated someone like tate seems very appealing because they're like yeah dude like fuck like women should be sucking my dick women should be bringing my car around Women should be making a sandwich. Like women should be doing this. Women should be doing that. Like it, it gets. You have it's it's like a vacuum. It starts sucking you in. Before his Instagram account was removed, we're back to the article. Before it was removed, he racked up more than four million followers. The multi-millionaire also runs an online pyramid scheme called Hustlers University which claims to teach people how to make money. I'll get into that in a little bit. So clips of and about Mr. Tate have also become popular both on YouTube and TikTok. His hashtag's been viewed over 13 billion times. 
Uh, however, he does not have an official TikTok account with a spokesperson of, for the platform saying misogyny is a hateful ideology that is not tolerated on TikTok. We've been removing violative video videos and accounts for weeks, and we welcome the news that other platforms are also taking action against an individual. Tate poses a genuine threat. Now, here's the question. Is Tate a threat? What is a threat? Is Tate just someone who makes you uncomfortable? Does he... Is he causing physical, mental, emotional harm? Is, is that a threat? Is a threat just purely physical? We have to define all these things. And I have to define all of these things to form an argument. To be able to say, do I agree with this? Do I not agree with this? So... Let's go to the first quote. Misogyny is a hateful ideology that is not tolerated on TikTok. Misogyny, you know, the disrespect of women, hating women, you know, saying terrible shit about women. I don't agree with it. I joke around about it. I think there are a lot of jokes about women that are funny that people would put in the misogynist category. Um, wrongfully so, I believe. And I, there are a lot of jokes that are funny about men that would also be uh, hateful against men that I think should be allowed. I, I don't think... A lot of people would disagree with this. I don't think misogyny is a bannable offense from a social media platform. And here's why. You have to trust i believe you have to trust the audience to make proper decisions about what they choose to view and what they choose not to view when you have something like a physical threat when someone records a tiktok video and says go hurt this person or i'm gonna go hurt this person of course take that down that should not be on there and it's also against uh freedom of speech you know calling for physical violence to someone else but when you have someone who just says shit like women belong in the kitchen, sure, I don't agree with that. It can be funny at times, depending on the delivery. Uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're a comedian telling jokes, you have good time. Like a, a lot of that shit can be funny if it's a funny premise and you have a unique take on it. There are a lot of things that are in that sort of women making fun of category that can be entertaining, just like I said in the men category. But it's not a bannable offense. You're not causing harm to someone. You're spreading ideas that may be hateful and may make a lot of people uncomfortable, may make you disagree with them. But I think it's better to allow that person to yell into the camera and the people who want to follow that person for whatever purpose it is, whether they want to follow that person because they believe it is gospel or it's entertaining or they send it to their friends and say, I fucking hate this guy. Like, I can't believe he let the audience make their own decisions. These social media companies treat us like toddlers when it comes to consuming content. We don't real. we think we can turn on the parental controls, but in reality, those parental controls are being turned on by the parent company whether we know it or not. And this is an example of that. Meta has stepped in and said, you know, even though Tate has not caused physical harm to someone, even though Tate has not been in direct violation of the First Amendment, as far as I know, we are making the decision that people cannot handle this content, that it is not good for consumption, it is not right for consumption, and we're stepping in. If someone truly has bad ideas... If someone truly has ideas that are bad for society, will have negative consequences, uh, harmful, you know, not physically harmful, but emotionally cause discomfort, get more sunlight on it. Let people see who this person is about because, or what this person is about because that is the best way to have that person exist in a digital world. You want to know what that person is doing. If you think they could have potentially dangerous ideas, 
why push them underground? Why push them and their followers underground? Because Tate's not going away. That's the misunderstanding. It's like drugs. When you consume drugs, something like cocaine, for instance, the people who want to do cocaine are going to figure out a way to do cocaine. And when cocaine is illegal, which it is in almost every country in the world, uh, some it's decriminalized now, but when cocaine is illegal and you want to fucking go out with your boys on Friday night and you say, let's pick up a bag, you're going to make some calls, you're going to make some texts, and you're going to pick it up. And that cocaine's not going to be tested. You're not going to have ingredients on it. You're not going to have potency on it. Things that you would get when you walk into a weed dispensary. That cocaine could be laced with fentanyl, something that could injure you or kill you. So when people want to consume something, they will find a way to do it and it will be in a less safe manner if it's illegal. That's what I believe. Same thing with content. The people who wanted to consume Tate are going to consume Tate. Now, I went out of my way to listen to a couple podcasts he was on. I listened to Your Mom's House and then a couple clips of Hassan Piker where he had a kind of a debate back and forth. But I'm not I'm not someone who's going to follow Tate off of social media. He doesn't entice me to that level of interest. And most most people don't. Some of my favorite creators, if they went off the social media, uh, I wouldn't support them on a platform behind a paywall, which may be a character flaw in myself. I should support the people I like more. But Tate is not one of those people. He's just someone I see a clip of and, you know, some maybe I laugh. I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. And then, like, on to the next. But the people who want to follow Tate, the people who are taking what he says as gospel are going to remain behind the paywall, his Hustlers University. I'm sure he's going to go to another one of those free speech platforms like Trump's Twitter or whatever it is and continue his, you know, his rants about cars and women and podcasts, whatever. His audience will be cut off from the mainstream people that are just casually scrolling and run into him, which, to be honest, he's not the audience that, people like meta are worried about he's worried about the people that are taking what he's saying seriously and they're gonna take some sort of action in the real world based on tate's speech those people are still gonna find a way to seek him out so like drugs if you believe he's dangerous fucking you know, legalize Tate, get him out in the open. You can see, you can see much more how much following he has. You Now you have no idea to track, okay, he gets a million people per video. He gets a hundred thousand downloads per podcast. Like now, if you really think someone is dangerous, why would you want them to be in the dark? It makes no sense to me. And again, I don't think he's dangerous. I, I think he has ideas like I said, can be funny and people, you know, a lot of it I don't agree with, but he's entertaining. He's one of the most entertaining guys on the planet. I will listen to him talk about anything. He is an Alex Jones type character where I tune into him and I say, okay, 99.9% of this is going to be bullshit, but God fucking damn, this car ride is electric right now. This car ride is goddamn mesmerizing because Tate is letting it fly. And it's important to have people like that in society. It's important to have people that are just pure fucking entertainment. Like Alex Jones, Andrew Tate, uh, you know, Donald Trump to some extent. You put a fucking mic in front of their face and they just go and go and go. And they could be talking about QAnon or turkey sandwiches and it doesn't matter. They find a way to make you make it interesting, make you engage. And that's a motor I don't have. A lot of a lot of the reason why someone like Tate is so appealing is because, you know, it doesn't seem like he puts a lot of preparation into what he's saying. He has this kind of built-in motor of this is how I think, this is how I talk. I don't question it. I just let it fly. And he's different than me. He does things that I can't do conversationally, you know, ranting-wise. 
I love guys like that. Whether, you know, it's whether I disagree or agree with what they're saying. I love guys who can just get on a fucking mic and let it rip. Like Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon's another guy who you put a mic in front of his face and I could listen to him talk about the collared shirt hanging in my closet for an hour because I know he'll find an angle and make it funny and make it entertaining. We need people like that. It's important to have entertainers in society. I don't I don't think people realize how valuable that is. Because what's more dangerous, what's much more dangerous than what Andrew Tate is actually saying is people not having a stress valve release at the end of the day, throwing on a fucking stupid video, a rant video, and for you know, 30 seconds or 30 minutes, they just let the air come out of the stress. They had a rough day and they want to come. There are a lot of people that would get home from work and be like, I'm going to turn on a Tate podcast. I'm going to turn on a Tate video and just listen to him. And they weren't saying, you know, I'm taking notes and I'm going to fucking next time my wife comes in the house, I'm going to say, babe, do you, do you cross the line. The line was the kitchen and you're out of it right now. And so is our relationship. You're dumb, bitch. No guy, maybe like three people on the planet were taking notes and being like, this is how I'm going to talk to my girlfriend from now on. Kitchen bitch. Also, I'm fucking whoever I want now, including your friends. Two of them I just finished. So thank you. Almost no one was taking that approach with Tate. I would bet that 95% of people we're either loving it or hating it from an entertainment standpoint. No one was taking actionable advice on how to live with Tate. Almost no one. And when you take people's entertainment away, you take away the release. It is so much more dangerous to have stressed out people walking around in the world looking for a release than it is to have someone who's less stressed out listening to content that makes some people uncomfortable. You put a bunch of stressed out guys in a pressure cooker with no fucking release valve, that's when you have something dangerous. But you throw a Tate video at them and they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, this this does it for me. This is what I want and this is entertaining. Go for it. Who gives a shit? We need to stop caring. Stop stop thinking that what you care about is more important than what other people care about. Stop thinking that what you believe in, you believe in more than what other people believe in. That's the root of a lot of this, is, is that people, because you're... And, and I... You know, I I fall victim to this type of thinking, too, that I think I hold my beliefs more strongly than someone else holds their beliefs. And I think that only because I'm experiencing my consciousness. I don't feel the level to which a belief sinks its claws into someone else because I'm not them. So if someone believes something different than me, all of a sudden I think, oh, well, they could they they can't have come across my idea because if they did, they would change their mind in two seconds. And then you talk back and forth and it becomes less of a conversation and more of a defensive circle jerk. And that's something that podcasting has helped me do. It's helped me encounter someone else's beliefs that are different than mine. And when I feel that feeling of, oh, how do they not believe? How do they? It's like, just fucking sit there. Let them finish the sentence. Don't go for the throat because, again, your beliefs, my beliefs may be off, and a lot of times they are. Don't go for the throat. Don't be like you're a fucking idiot. Say, hey, I hear you. Let's talk about it. I don't agree with what you're saying from this standpoint. Help me understand. Help me. Teach me. You know, And maybe after that conversation, you still won't agree and you part ways, and that's life. That's motherfucking life, baby. 
So back to the article, a number of campaign groups have criticized Mr. Tate for his views and warned he was a danger to young men and boys who see his content online. Responding to the news of his ban, women's safety charity Refuge said Meta had made the right decision. Quote, this kind of decisive action needed to tackle the online radicalization of young men towards a violent, misogynistic worldview uh, is needed, says the organization's chief campaign group, not uh, hope not hate describe mr tate how funny would it be if that campaign group just changed their name to hope not tate hope not tate described mr tate as a quote threat to young men and welcomed meta's swift action i think look i'm not saying anyone's wrong to disagree with tate or say like he's a fucking asshole i'm a fucking asshole sometimes and I'm sure Tate would say no different, but I can guarantee you the people who want to see Tate removed from social media suck as people. There's no one who wants Tate off social media that you would grab a beer with and be like, oh, this guy's awesome, dude. This guy has great ideas for the world. This guy's cool to hang out with. These are the type of people who you go out and you say that, you know, you order a beer and it's, you know, Indian Brew Co. IPA and you order it and the, the person next to you, this person wants Tate off the social media platform and they say, oh, actually, um, Indian's actually a problematic word. Um, even though it doesn't say that on the label, can you actually order a Native American IPA? And that point is where I would slide the steak knife on the table in between my third and fourth rib on the left side of my body to just instantly stop my heart because I'd rather stop my heart than to start that conversation again. That is the type of person who wants Tate off social media. I'm not saying they're wrong to feel that way. There are a lot of people that want that don't like what Tate says and Say, like, whatever. He's out there. I don't agree with him. I don't like the dude. He's a fucking piece of shit. But he should still be allowed to be on social media, have an Instagram, Facebook. I like those people. Those are the type of people I would get along with. Those are the type of people I want to have a beer with. I would rather hang out with those people than the people who are like, I fucking love Tate, dude. I fucking love him, dude. Everything he says, dude. The sixth commandment, thou shall not, not blow Tate. At any time of the day? Yes, dude. Yes. Like, I would rather hang out with people in the middle of the spectrum. The the people that are like, I love Tate. Everything Tate says is gospel. Everything Tate says should be allowed on social media. Tate could threaten to blow up the White House. And I would be like, yeah, dude. Fucking, you know, Biden had it coming. There's that side of the spectrum where Tate can do no wrong, and there's the other side of the spectrum where Tate does everything wrong and should be banned from social media. I'm more in the middle. I'm more like, I like some things the guy says. I don't like some things the guy says. I would rather hang out with someone who hates everything that Tate says but agree that he should still be allowed to go on these rants, and Tate's just not for him. Those are the type of people I enjoy being around. The people that express their opinions but they don't try to fuck with people's livelihood. They don't try to fuck with people's money. They don't They don't look to go for your throat and cancel you. They just accept that other people have opinions. There are boundaries in this world. You don't have to listen to them. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to follow. Like, stop listening to videos that piss you off. Stop watching videos that piss you off. You know? People act like Tate is fucking ranting in their eyelids. And every time they close their eyes, they see Tate, which some people who are fucking mentally ill who run tech companies probably think that. They're like, Tate's behind my eyelids. I can't get rid of him. We're in the metaverse. We're in the Tateverse. And we need to remove him from everything. It's a problem. I'm a, I'm a middle guy, dude. I'm a, I'm a chill guy. You know, go on rants. Say some wild shit. Find where the line is, cross it, don't cross it, come back, don't come back. And the people who want to listen to you will listen to you. Just keep it, keep it not violent. 
just keep it not don't threaten to kill people don't threaten to hurt people you know when you feel like that go in the bathroom scream into the mirror then come back out and go on a rant and just get it out of your system some other way go to muay thai jiu-jitsu go to a fucking gun range get the violence out of your system don't do it on social media but like for the most part fucking just let's hang out let's hang out dude come on um, I so I wanted to say uh, I wanted to go back to the pyramid scheme quick. So the article ends off with saying accounts are still pumping out clips of Tate as part of his Hustlers University pyramid scheme. YouTube is rife with videos doing this, and Google uh, and have made Google up to millions in ad revenue. So this is what I want to say about that. There are two wonderful videos about Tate's pyramid scheme and there's much more to Tate than meets the eye and what meets the ear based on what he says. There's two YouTube accounts, CoffeeZilla, CoffeeZilla like Godzilla and Patrick CC, like CC emails, the letter CC. CoffeeZilla and Patrick CC, if you search those and Andrew Tate, a couple videos will pop up and it talks about the pyramid scheme. And these guys signed up for Hustlers University. They went behind the paywall and they described why a lot of it is bullshit. And I'll just say a couple points because I really want to tee this up and encourage you guys to watch the videos because they are awesome. It's just a complete kind of debunking of the way that Tate says he's acquired his financial independence and he doesn't actually need the money from Hustlers University. He's just doing this to help young men. Turns out, you know... He's making, I believe there's 105,000 something people subscribed to his Hustlers University, all paying him 50 bucks a month, which is millions of dollars a month. You know, apparently the casino business that he claims to be making a lot of his income on is not what he says, or it seems like it's not what he says. Same things with these OnlyFans account. Like he he's claimed to be managing OnlyFans account and making a lot of money from that. That also seems sketchy. It seems like he's much more invested in Hustlers University than he actually says. And he's much more dependent financially on his audience than he reveals. And so I encourage you to check out these videos and see they'll show you what it's actually like in Hustlers University. And a lot of it's just like the typical you know, get rich with Amazon affiliate links, drop shipping links, like the shit you could learn for free in 20 minutes on YouTube. And he's charging people 50 bucks a month. Um, I will say I haven't subscribed to it, so I can't speak to it firsthand, but these guys have. So go listen to their vids. They have great channels. Check out what they say about Tate if you're interested in him further. I almost died. I almost died a, a couple weekends ago. I hiked the Adirondacks, baby. I hiked Saddleback Mountain in the Adirondacks. The Adirondacks. I was riding that Adirondack. And I almost died. And I'm going to tell you about it. So I went hiking with my girlfriend. We did an overnight loop. It was about an 18-mile loop in the Adirondacks, uh, and there were five or six different peaks on this loop. The first day was incredibly challenging, especially the last mile up to the campsite, just completely uphill. And I thought, I was like, wow, that was hard as fuck. There'll be some hiking like that the next day, but it'll be challenging. Nothing was life-threatening during the first day. It was just a hard-as-fuck hike. It was like do doing a hard workout for six to seven hours straight, just constant. You know, it started flat, but then just like constant walking upstairs and stepping and finding your footing and slipping and shit like that. It was hard, the hardest hike I've ever done. And I'm so down for hard things. I, I am down to do challenging shit. But what I am not down for is taking unnecessary risk as part of that challenge. I'm okay with risk, but not to the point where it's life-threatening. And that is what happened on day two. On day two, we traversed the first peak, which I don't remember the name of. 
And then we came up to Saddleback. And on all trails, you can read about Saddleback Mountain, which, you know, I didn't. I think my girlfriend may have checked it out before. But if you go down in the comments of Saddleback Mountain in the Adirondacks, I believe there's another. I keep saying DX, Adirondacks, Adirondacks. If you go in the comments of Saddleback Mountain on all trails, you will see, you know, there's a lot of comments that say challenging, you know, it's hard but worth it. There are quite a few longer comments where people say, I almost died. And they start the comments like that. And then it goes into all these details of them thinking about not finishing the hike because they called for a helicopter rescue or something like that. And if you look up Saddleback Mountain, you'll see stories of people getting rescued. I think a few people have died on this peak. But it's it's not a walk in the park. And so we came up to came up to Saddleback. We're climbing, you know, the the stair kind of like the the walking uphill the angle started to shift where you're now walking and climbing like it's a very vertical angle you're not fully climbing like your weight is still on your feet but the angle starting to increase so like our hands are against the wall as we're going up and it's still trees there's still soil there's still stumps branches to step on we're not at a rock face yet. All of a sudden, it comes up to, at that point, the most challenging part of the hike, which is a rock face about 8 to 10 feet high. And there, it's, it's, it's a sheer rock face. And there's only certain ways to get up it. There, there are holds. There's no way to go around. There's not a side path. You have to climb up this rock face vertically leave the ground and if you fall it'll hurt like if you fall eight ten eight to ten feet you get towards the top and you fall down like you could hurt yourself you could break a leg um you know we also had 40 pound packs on each because we were camping overnight we had tents utensils pots food water like all that shit we're climbing with packs on so i actually kind of tossed my pack up i like threw it over the ledge and we both did that to climb up and we you know, we we got in the holds. I'd done some bouldering before. We were very careful. Neither one of us fell. So we got up that first ledge and we thought, okay, like that has to be the most difficult part of Saddleback. For sure, there's not going to be something harder than that. There's not going to be something more dangerous than that, let me say. Actually dangerous, not Tate dangerous, not not uncomfortable, but legit dangerous. Then we came up to something that was about 30 to 40 feet long, a rock face, very steep. So you could not, you were not doing that thing where you're like walking, but your hands are against the wall for support. Like you leave the ground to climb 30 to 40 feet up. And I didn't even think that was the trail. At that point. And then I saw the white marks on the rock face and then the white marks above it. And there was a sheer, sheer cliff. Like it was this 30 to 40 feet stretch of rock face. And then above that, there was like a 60 to 80 foot stretch of rock face. And I'm looking up and, uh, and immediately I start walking around looking for another trail. So I'm like, this can't be it. You, you need ropes. I could not imagine climbing this without ropes because if you fall you're sliding down and there's a little ledge that we were on a couple feet wide but then if you hit that and fell further you're dead like and I'm not exaggerating if you hit that if you fell off that face and you hit the the couple foot stretch of rock path and you didn't grab onto it, and you kept rolling down the mountain, you, you were rolling down a fucking mountain in free fall rolling, like shit in Lone Survivor, where you just throw yourself over the side of the mountain. Like, if you're not dead, you are fucking close to it. 
And so I was, I started to freak out. I started to say like, if we climb this, this could kill us. And I shouldn't have said that because in that moment, you know, my girlfriend knew the same thing I did. I, you know, my job is to support and lead as the man, but she's actually done this many more times than I have. She's been backpacking many times before. This was my first backpacking trip. So in that instance, she was uh, a calm head, calmer head. We were both freaking out, but quickly I got back on track when we were talking and we're like, all right, like we could wait here for helicopter assistance. There's no trail around. It's worse if we go down because the shit that we just went, the shit we just went up, it would be harder to go back down that than to go up this. So we both agreed like, we're going to try this. And there was a crack in the rock where you could go up and you could climb the rock. And I'm like sweating. My throat feels like it's closing up just talking about this because it was, you know, even though we got through it and I'm talking to you right now, obviously, like it was nerve wracking to think about. Like I couldn't fall asleep that night because I kept thinking like what would happen if we, if I slipped at the top. So I literally told my girlfriend Get yourself situated in the two-foot stretch of path in case I slip and fall. Because I'm climbing. I'm climbing on a crack. I'm not walking. I'm not slanted walking where my hands are against the wall. My feet leave the ground and I have to climb for 30 to 40 feet without a rope. With a 40-pound pack on my back. And I told her, I said, listen, stand on that stretch of path. If I come down, don't hurt yourself. Like, don't fall with me. But if you can do anything to stop me, uh, like to grab me, do it. Like, I told her that, like, fully expecting that that is a real possibility. Like, you, like, if you can grab my bag, like, anything to slow me down. Like, don't risk going over the side yourself. But, like, just, just stand, be in the area. Because if I fall... Like, I'm coming down hard. And I was in the crack and climbing up this face. And something happened where the fear didn't go away. But the anxiety of thinking into the future went away. I was purely left with the anxiety of I need to focus right now. And that was allowing me to concentrate. And I was just thinking, one, put my hand here, put my foot there. Okay, get a solid hold on this. Put my hand here, put my foot there. Okay, solid hold. And I was going very, very fucking slow. And that was the first time in my life where I truly felt, and it was a possibility that if I messed up, this could be my life. And that was fucking terrifying. In the moment, the the adrenaline, like I couldn't afford to think about what happens. I, I told myself before, you know, this is the situation. This is what you're choosing to do. Sure, we could have waited for helicopters. Sure, we could have, you know, fucking tried to do something to there was no path so it was wait you know wait for someone with a rope or just try to do this and i would say there's probably like a one to two percent chance that one of us could have died like that's real like one to two percent doesn't seem like a lot i would say um the realistically if i fell there were a couple holds where I could slide down and slow myself down enough to where I wouldn't bounce off that rock path at the bottom. That was what I was thinking. That's what eventually, like if there weren't, if there wasn't a crack with a few places to slow myself down and like my hands would have been probably fucking like ripped open and bleeding and shit like that. Um, but if, there wasn't, if I didn't have a plan in my head where it was like, okay, if I fall, I'm going to create as much friction against the wall as possible on the way down. So I just like land and plant and I'll be hurt, but I'm not going to be dead. That was my backup plan. Now there's also the possibility that, that I wasn't able to slow myself down and the way I fell, I just kept fucking sliding and slipping and my girlfriend 
grabbed onto me, but wasn't, you know, didn't slow me down. And I just kept fucking rolling and who knows what would happen. But I got it through. And my girlfriend was right behind me. She's more experienced climber. She banged it out. And that, again, that was the first time in my life I've been skydiving. You know, I wasn't the one doing the work skydiving because it was a tandem dive. I was with an instructor. But that was the first time where I felt like I had my own life in my hands in the moment. Going through an obstacle where the downside to me not doing this correctly could be death and that changed me 100% being in that moment and knowing that if I don't do this correctly a possibility could be death changed me forever And I'm not a badass. There are people that do that regularly. There are people that, you know, they climb sheer rock faces hundreds of feet high that are more vertical without ropes because this wasn't a 90 degree angle. This was, uh, you were climbing, but it wasn't straight up. There was some, there was some angle, some give. Not a badass at all. I'm just saying this to express that like I didn't know that was a feeling. That feeling didn't exist to me because I'd never done it. And even things where I do do that, like driving is something. You could die at any time. Someone could T-bone you. But you just get so used to it. You feel so protected by your car that you don't drive constantly thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. When you're just in nature and you're on a fucking 4,000 foot peak and you're looking up and down before you start and you're... Like in my mind, before I started that, it was almost in a sick way, it was almost a peaceful thing that happened in my mind where I thought if I fall and tumble down this mountain, this mountain doesn't give a shit. Nature does not give a fucking shit about you or me or anyone. People have died on this mountain. People have got seriously hurt on this mountain. People have died all over the world. And you are not even a blip on the fucking radar of a mountain. That mountain's been there for thousands, millions of years. And it's seen probably hundreds of people die through the fucking, maybe thousands trying to traverse it with through the ice age and all different types of eras, fucking cavemen, shit like that. Like I am so goddamn insignificant to this mountain. It does not give a shit in a sick way. That helped me do this thing because it made me feel smaller and it kind of made me more relaxed. Like I I remember kind of like almost laughing in my head. Like I I wasn't in a mode where I don't think I could laugh at anything uh, in that moment. There's no way I would have found something funny. But there was a moment of slight levity before I started climbing where I thought, wow. I'm going to tumble down this mountain and it'll be like a fucking microbe tumbling down my leg. I don't even know that it's there. Like I'm literally a fucking microbe to this mountain. And that was soothing in that moment, as soothing as it could be. We finished it. We got to the next rock face. We're standing up on an even smaller path in between. There's like this little flat ledge. And that was even terrifying because we had to walk across that flat ledge to where if we fell, like we would have tumbled down the whole thing. And it was walking. But before I was like, I better not fuck this up because this would be the most idiotic way to die. I just got through the hardest part and I fucking slip while I'm walking and just tumble down this thing. So we're on a very small ledge and we look up at the next one and it's even steeper and there's no crack. Like you literally have to hug the mountain and free solo this shit to get up like I don't know in my mind I was like I don't know how there are no ropes here right now my mind couldn't even compute it I like kept looking around for the ropes on the trail or sometimes they'll put metal bars in the mountain something to pull yourself up I couldn't compute the fact that there was no leverage assistance on this part of the trail and so that's when I turned to my girlfriend I said I'm not 
doing this. This is how people die. We could have died on the last part. If we try this, I am not skilled enough to do this. She's not, you know, I'm definitely not skilled enough to do this. She's not. She's, you know, to do this without ropes with a 40 pound back pack on your back is fucking insane. I don't know how the trail masters or the, the people who take care of this trail have not fixed this point. What happens before we do this, we actually passed a guy a little bit further down the trail before we started going up the rock face. And he said he was a climber and he warned us about the part that was coming up. He's like, it's it's fucking hard. He brought his own rope. And he's like, I wouldn't recommend it without ropes uh, going down. So he was saying, like, if we came from the other side and went down this, it's impossible. And he's like, it's almost impossible going up. So we were like, yeah, whatever. Like, he's an older dude, like 50s, 60s. Like, he's probably over-exaggerating. Then we did it. We're like, holy fuck, where is that rope that that guy said he left? So we start walking on this little small rock face trail, being very careful. And we come around to the edge of the mountain but there's more trees there there's there's trees there's branches if you tumble down the mountain like you can grab onto a tree it's not just rock face so it started to change and we walk around and there's a little crevice where you could walk in between the rock face and the trees and it was flat enough to to keep going forward and we thought okay let's just see what's here so we left our packs uh on that little rock face spot and went down this little tree nook and thank fucking God we came to this guy's rope. There was a rope that this guy had left. And it was dangling from the the top to where the rock face, like where we would have had to climb the rock face. This rope was very close to that area. So we knew like it connected to the trail we needed to go. And I tested out the rope like I... I put it on with my pack on and kind of dangled from it for a bit without climbing up it just to make sure it could hold my weight and it did and so I used this rope climbed up there were little footholds got up my girlfriend did the same thing and we got to the top and I have never in my life been more grateful to be alive because I went back to that rock face and thought I could be you know at the bottom of a fucking mountain right now and again, it sounds like an over-exaggeration. Like, who the fuck would have a trail without ropes where you have to climb a rock face without any support? Or if you fall, like, you're breaking your legs, your neck, and, you know, could possibly be dying. You, you're, you may be thinking, who the fuck would make a trail like this? Who the, who the fuck would, you know not put something in or warn hikers some sort of sign like this is incredibly dangerous and that's exactly what I was thinking and it sounds like I'm over exaggerating until you go to Saddleback and we passed other other hikers on the way down that were like legit traumatized by it and we're like holy fuck like I I was hugging in the mountain I thought I was gonna fucking die and we were like yeah us too like it's fucking insane and so the the fact that this shit is not marked or there's no warning at the start of the trail, like, hey, hey, fuckface, before you go up this, you're going to have to climb a fucking cliff with no ropes for a good 40 to 60 feet. And if you fall, you could die. That's something I want to know. And that's why I reiterated at the beginning, I am all down for challenging things, like things that make me just absolutely kick my ass. But what I'm not down for is taking unnecessary risk where if I don't complete the task, I'm going to fucking die. That is shit I'm not down for. I am not that type of person. People that are, God bless you, like free soloers, people that just fucking ice climb without ropes, like holy shit, all the more power to you. That is not something I signed up for. So in the moment when we finished uh, when we got to Saddleback and we went to the other side and we saw, okay, we're just climbing down. It's not that bad. There's no more rock face. It's the other side of the mountain. I felt so fucking grateful just kissing my girlfriend. Like, I'm so happy to be alive right now. And uh, while we're, when we finished the hike, because we still had like seven hours to go from that point, like just going downhill downhill. 
taking our time because it's a lot of you know sketchy stepping and shit like that with rocks and branches in the aftermath of the hike i was angry because there's i didn't sign up for that if i had known that was going to be there maybe we wouldn't have done saddleback maybe we would have came back with ropes or something more prepared um maybe we would have done a different hike altogether but i was so fucking angry that we were forced into a situation where we either had to do it and risk our life or call for help that is not something you sh- that is not a position you should be in on a fucking hike on all trails that says hard like again it was a hard hike but there needs to be another level of all trails where it's like there should be ropes here if you don't have ropes good luck like the fucking day like easy medium hard holy fucking shit like if it was holy fucking shit on all trails i would have been like let's let's do a hard one let's do something else so that is my rant my couple of rants for today i had a couple other things i wanted to get to but you know what we're at an hour i gotta go catch a ride soon to get fucked up for this bachelor party this weekend thank you guys for tuning in with me I really appreciate it. If you're interested in extra episodes, you can go to auxoro.supercast.com. And I put out full episodes there every month. I also put out mini episodes a few times a month. Um, Also, I'm going to start doing recaps of guest episodes on the Auxoro podcast. That will be fun. So Andrew Tate banned from social media. What people think is dangerous. Hiking Saddleback Mountain, which is actually dangerous. It's very important to distinct those two things in your mind. Don't mistake danger for discomfort and don't mistake discomfort for danger. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next time.